have you come to destroy me, Obi-Wan? I will do what I must. Then you will die. This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 119 of the Driving Podcast. On today's episode, we have the checkup with yours truly, Dr. O, along with our recap of Star Wars' season finale for Obi-Wan Kenobi. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 119 of the Driving Podcast. Howdy doody, welcome to episode 119 of TDI, this is Dr. O on the horn, per usual, recording here on a Monday evening for our Tuesday traditional checkup drop, I'm joined by Ricky Flicks, my co-host, my best friend, and Star Wars aficionado, Obi-Wan in the checkup, Ricky Flicks, ready to get going? Hello there. Weak. (laughs) Very much ready to get going. A little delay here for episode six for uh, from the drive-in podcast, but we'll take it here. We're going to do it today. I'm very much looking forward to this, Doctor. Yeah, so uh, I didn't get a chance to watch this immediately when it dropped on Wednesday. I had to keep pushing it along. I went camping this weekend. I went to a music festival. So what I ended up doing is I watched it, uh, I want to say, Friday evening coming back from the festival right the first night uh we had our my our buddy matt uh who's actually nez's uh best friend from uh when they were chat when they were children uh wanted to watch it so we set up the hot spot in the in the rv and uh we watched that insane duel between obi-wan and darth vader and uh one that maybe the next generation will be quoting like we do revenge of the sith all right, but I can't wait to talk about it either, Ricky Flex. Uh, how was your weekend, though? Anything you, uh, you're watching right now that you're enjoying other than Obi-Wan? Of course, The Boys. The Boys is definitely, obviously, I, I hype it up every week, but The Boys. Herogasm happened. We'll talk about that a little later on this week. Uh, but besides that, like, big weekend at the box office, Doctor. Big Huge. weekend at the box office. Maybe not the most amount of money, but... The consistency across the the entire like set, or uh, I don't know what we would say, the portfolio, everything it's listed. Di- it's diverse. Like we got yeah. a music biopic, we got a Tom Cruise Strong. blockbuster, we got a horror <laughs> movie, right? And then I don't see. We're not even talking about the fact that Lightyear came out about two weeks ago. It wasn't even in the top four of earners this week. Craziness. Yeah, and, yeah, and like since the first time since 2018, four movies made over 20 million dollars at the box office at the same time the same weekend yeah so, i guess we sh- I, I guess we should just lead off with this story right well we're just gonna lead off with it right now um so elvis earns 50 million right in the film's worldwide box office opening weekend it debuted at the number one spot at the domestic box office with an opening of 31.1 million dollars the biggest opening for a non-franchise movie at the domestic box office in the pandemic era meanwhile Top Gun Maverick, right? Tom Cruise's first film to earn $1 billion at the box office, okay? First for Tom Cruise, something that is kind of shocking at this stage of his career. It's the first time, as you said, since 2018, you have four movies that earn over $20 million at the box office simultaneously, simultaneously. Um, We're not going to slow down either, Ricky Flux. We got Thor Love and Thunder coming out this week as well. Right. Okay. So what's dropping this week? Not much, but we have a lot of good movies still out in the box office. Yeah. So these are like opening weekend for a lot of them. Obviously not for Top Gun Maverick, but you still assume it's going to perform modestly, right? At the box office, Elvis, right? 
It's going to have a, probably a strong second weekend. And then the black phone's been like a surprise hit. And uh, I, I'm really interested in seeing the black phone. I think we should actually review that one, Ricky Fucks, because we seem to be uh, huge on the Ethan Hawke train right now. We loved him as the villain, Arthur Harrow, in Moon Knight. And uh, it seems like this is another one of those where he's eaten up the screen for a lot of the movie. We got him. Where what do we? Where do we usually see him before sunset? Like that trilogy there, romantic type of movie. Let's see him continue this dark path he's been on, and let's see him like even more unhinged than he was in Moon Knight. Oh yeah, and like first reformed, like he he has done this unhinged or darker type of role before but i think just not to the masses and i think this is a big step towards that and like again this movie very small budget but getting a big box off success so far and i think it's going to be similar to like everything everywhere all at once where it's like yes like you saw some advertising for it but you weren't necessarily or when you i mean like the mass audiences main maybe not necessarily sold on it but now certified fresh rotten tomatoes Good th- hearing good things about Ethan Hawke in it and did well in this first weekend. We could see a big second weekend from this and it's a uh, second weekend. Yeah. So I like how you did the comparison to everything everywhere all at once. I think this is going to spread by word of mouth. I think it's going to be big on Twitter. All right. And Ethan Hawke, he's got the support of the Marvel faithful now, and we know how much they love to spread the love on Twitter. Uh, so I think this one is, I, I guess people are loving what they're seeing from Ethan Hawke and seeing like this different type of character that he's starting to play, showing some boldness in the choices he's making. And Scott Derrickson, okay, initially was supposed to direct the second Doctor Strange movie, did direct the first one. Uh, so I guess this is this is like the next project his, that he was working on, something that's not a franchise. He's already talked about making a sequel potentially to The Black Phone. So I don't know, Ethan Hawke. Involved with Marvel, potential comeback there with another uh, with a franchise potentially with Moon Knight, and then now with Blackville potentially a horror a horror and franchise. Knives Out two coming out later this year. Ethan Hawke's in that as well. Like he, he's on a, a little bit of a run here, a little bit of a run. He's heating up. He's heating up. Let's keep moving on with the checkup here. Uh, where do we want to go next, Ricky Flex? Let's talk. Uh, I, I I just brought up Scott Derrickson, so I think naturally we can transition to the person who replaced him in the director's chair for. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So Ra- Sam Raimi came out with a quote that said that Kevin Feige cast John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic in the Multiverse of Madness because, quote, the fans had a dream of who who the perfect Reed Richards would be. He also said, quote, because this is an alternate universe, Kevin said, let's make that dream come true. End quote. This has been a topic of discussion on this podcast. Will John Krasinski return to the role of Mr. Fantastic in the future. I think judging by this quote, I don't like the prospects. And I think we already were leaning that way, Ricky Flex, but it just seemed like, okay, like the big part with alternate realities, if you dream about yourself in a different place or whatever, in the multiverse of madness, that meant it was an alternate reality. So like fans are dreaming or they want to picture and imagine John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. I mean, this, this to me, it seems like there's going to be someone else in the role. It's just a way for him to please the fans. Yeah, that's what this quote seems like. It kind of goes to what we were thinking. But I think this just also just opens up another can of worms of questions because, hey, if that, all right, if there's multiple universes and not every single Mr. Fantastic is going to be John Krasinski, then that means every single Professor X is not going to be Patrick Stewart. So that disconfirms that, like, that was like the first real, like, x-men coming into the mcu that kind of just puts that to bed it could have been any professor x to be honest and it he confirms every other like captain carter like every i think it it really just opens up a can of worms and i think like the big reason why i'm saying that is because then dr strange it's like every single universe that dr strange was in he it was benedict cumberbatch every single universe was wanda uh was the same elizabeth olsen as wanda so i just think that it's kind of weird how we're just keep leaning towards yep that's not john Krasinski is not mr fantastic we were just doing that for fan service but then it just kind of breaks the mold i guess is what i'm trying to say with elizabeth olsen and uh, and benedict cumberbatch and their characters you following what i'm saying there Yes, I do. Uh, yes, the, the same person is playing them in different universes. It wouldn't make sense. Like so, but the, they already did break it with Professor X, right? They are going to break it because he is Professor X, 
right? Someone else is Professor X, and it's probably not going to be Patrick Stewart when it's introduced, right? Like, there's no Patrick Stewart in Earth, Earth 616, which is the one where everything takes place in the MCU, right? I see what you're saying. Maybe so, there is, and we just don't know it. Or they, he died. He, he but there's going to be a Professor X that's introduced that is Charles Xavier that's going to be a guy in a wheelchair that is supposed to be that character, but it's not going to be played by Patrick Stewart. So I already think they kind of screwed themselves. Like, like, I don't think it's – I think it's really, like, upper interpretation. I think it's just up for, like, okay, we'll just have to wait. It's like a wait-and-see mentality, but I just think it's leaning towards him not being in the movie or him in the universe. Yeah, and that, I think – in addition to that, that also means Emily Blunt probably not going to be Sue Storm, and that was a great fan casting too. And I would have loved to see Emily Blunt in the MCU as well. Yeah, I, I, I think people were kind of like mixed on John Krasinski. They wanted to see him at first, but then when they did see him, it seemed like people thought he was stiff, thought he didn't mm. really uh, portray the character as, as it's supposed to be from Guilty. the comic books, trying to apply it to the movies. Um I don't know. I could see him in the character. I just don't think he got a fair shot at it. Like it seemed like he was. It was a lot of green screen there. How many? How many? How many of those actors is he actually like speaking with or interacting with? Is he saying one line, pausing twenty seconds, and saying another line, and then he calls it a day? You know, it doesn't seem like it was the easiest work to just step into, especially when like there's gonna there's gonna be such high anticipation in the future that he's gonna play that character again, and people have been looking forward to him for so long. It's like Foggy just said, okay, if they see his face, they're going to be happy. I, I freaked out, like, in the theater oh, when yeah. that happened. It was an incredible moment. But then, like, looking back on it now, I think Doctor Strange actually pops on to Disney Plus this week. Am I right about that? I think you're right, too. But you mentioned the when he popped on the screen, what was crazier in your eyes, that or Harry Styles' Eternals? I well, we, we, made, we did make bold predictions about – Krasinski showing up as Mr. Fantastic, right? We talked about the Illuminati. So I think, I, I, I guess I was more excited for Mr. Fantastic because of the level of character, Marvel's first family, John Krasinski playing him, potential Sue Storm, right? Him and the Illuminati alongside Professor Charles Xavier, as opposed to like Harry Styles. I was excited when I saw that, but I don't know who he was playing until he said he's the brother of Thanos. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I had to do a little research, you know? It's good to have that like backup, that background information so you get like, that takes your excitement up a notch. Yeah, I think you explained that well. I agree. Cool. Um, let's keep going. Uh, really quick, uh, Christian Bale said he would only return to play Batman if Christopher Nolan asked him to. Uh, did someone maybe propose a Batman Beyond movie? Right, Christopher Nolan directed. <laughs> Potential there. Mm, maybe not. No. All right, let's keep going. Uh. Speaking of uh, superheroes, okay, this is the last piece of superhero news before we move on. It's a little succession talk. Emma Roberts has been cast alongside Sydney Sweeney and Dakota Johnson for Madam Web. Okay, that's a movie that's coming for the Sony Spider-Man universe, Sony universe of Marvel characters, famously uh, spearheaded by Venom and Morbius. Okay, Craven the Hunter is on its way. So Madam Web, we have three powerful young actresses like in this movie. I the vibes I got here was like. Avengers Endgame, where you got like uh, the Wasp, uh, then you got uh, Pepper Potts and Okoye, like all these like characters, like all like the girl power, female empowerment thing. I feel like that's the vibe they're going for here, right? I'm, th- I'm talking about also for those who don't know what I'm talking about, the final battle in Endgame where they show like the, the six like female heroes together standing as one, saying they're going to take down Thanos, things like that. So, yeah. I just I just get a sense that's going on here. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's kind of weird. So besides like Sydney Sweeney, who's like now on the come up, big time from Euphoria, and also White Lotus, but like Emma Roberts, Dakota Johnson, like big names, but like they were they're at their peak of their powers a while ago. Like Emma Roberts, what I, Emma you? Roberts is not this is not she's not in the same category as Sydney Sweeney, Dakota Johnson I'll for sure that. not. But she's a big name. Right, big name. So it's yeah. interesting to get these big names that not may not be like a Zendaya or like a lister, but just people that are either on the come up or were in their prime and coming back, but not necessarily the big like. Yes, I'm going to see the movie. Be person. 
But Sid- Sydney Sweeney might be that person, man. Like she's like she is cool. Yeah. Like, she is she is massive right now. I don't watch Euphoria, but it seems like everyone is obsessed with her. Everyone wants to fan cast her, almost like like a Chalamet of today. Everyone like to fan cast him as a Chalamet and stuff. People are always like, let's get Sydney Sweeney in that. Let's see this. He says she's gorgeous. She's a great actress. She's in the most like watched show in HBO history with Euphoria. That's gonna break every like, type of streaming record when it's all said and done. Uh, just because the popularity it has with the younger demographic to go to Johnson, right? You know, on the come up right now, like she had, her, she had her huge franchise that obviously wasn't critically successful with Fifty Shades, but people love her, and she did great in The Lost Daughter, and uh, I feel like she's mm. been she's been more relevant now than she was even when she was shooting Fifty Shades, right? You think? I, just, I think I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, the people were kind of very critical of her, I guess. Uh, during those movies, they said the lack of chemistry of Jamie Dornan, and he has had a big come up too with Belfast. I don't think he got nominated for uh, best actor, but uh, I don't no. know. I, I, I just think I, they're both on the come up. It's good they went separate ways, but I do think people take legitimacy with Dakota Johnson now more than they did before. Yeah, I agree. I actually thought about do I start you because I was thinking, about, oh, like it goes back to what you were saying before. Like, what did I watch this weekend? I did think about starting up Euphoria. I did think about it. I might wait until more of the dog days of summer when there's not as many movies coming out. But I, I think that's the next show I'm going to start that I haven't seen yet. I just, I, we talked about uh, movies that you watch on planes, right? On trips. Right. And you uh, talked about The Lost City, all right? With Radcliffe, Channing Tatum, Brad Pitt, Sandra mm. Bullock. Good I movie. actually, I picked a movie this week. Um, a lot of, uh, when I, I was flying from, Hartford to Detroit. It was like a three-hour flight, a little bit less. So I had to pick a movie about that runtime. Uh, any guesses on what I watched this week? Dune. <laughs> no, I, I thought about doing that on the way back though. From uh, I was in Chicago at, at O'Hare, going to Hartford. I thought about doing Dune just because I'm like uh, Austin Butler, gonna be Floyd Rotha, gonna be a big mm-hmm, in the news mm-hmm. here, and also I was just three like, hours. I, I, I could rewatch Dune all day. Yeah. No, what did you pick? Licorice Pizza. You rewatched yeah. it on a plane. How was it? I rewatched it. It was awesome. It was okay. awesome. I didn't get to finish it, unfortunately. But uh oh, now no, I, I adore that movie. And I, I like I like I think like people always obviously want to, they're judging it based on the storyline that's very controversial about the age gap and all this stuff. But uh it feels really natural to me like, like it doesn't it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like oh this is wrong this is terrible right and it does go along with like that age of uh lack of supervision right and those kids like kind of on, on their own right uh and alana Han was is so good in that movie yeah <laughs> so i good loved that her in that i thought she should have gotten nominated uh for best yeah. actress at the oscars for sure and it was paul thomas anderson's birthday on sunday so true you, maybe, and maybe that's, that's why you... i saw it it was like sticking in my brain that's got to hit a streaming service sooner or later. Like Netflix usually has a lot of PTA movies. Like Boogie yeah. Nights is usually on there. Phantom yeah. Thread was on there recently. Yeah, um, there will be Blood. Punch Up Loves HBO, HBO Max. Yeah, so hopefully it's on a streaming service soon. I would love that because I need to rewatch that too. Uh, all right. So I was nice little tangent there, but I think we should go on a, a little Succession talk. Okay, <sighs> season four has begun filming for Succession. We did some recaps during the previous season. I was a fan. Ricky Flex was not as high on it, right? Still enjoyed Still it. it. Still enjoyed it. But season four actually has a synopsis that has been released. This is uh, how it goes. So season four follows the sale of Waystar Royco to Lucas Matson, right? Played by Alexander Skarsgård, getting closer with the sale, provoking existential angst and familial division among the Roys as they anticipate what their lives will look like once the deal is completed. Ricky Flex, with that synopsis, okay, I guess what are some uh, broad type of predictions or what are you looking forward to in the next season? After reading this it seemed, or hearing that, it's like, okay, are we going to get some more Alexander Skarsgård? A lot of right? A lot of going to see like. a lot, right? Like just based off of this, the deal is coming in. And compared to the previous seasons, the, the kids have to work together. They now like you've they always had pitches, like one of them trying to pitch the other to join them on their quest for whatever or a project or something. Right now, it's so they're all working together to defeat, to defeat, like 
they're Darth Vader, their dad, like the emperor, whatever you want to say. They're big bad. Tony Soprano. (laughs) Right. Like, so the deal can't be go, can't go through. This show is not going to end with season four. I feel like we're going to keep going here. So I think that this deal won't go through. It's my prediction. Something's going to happen with Alexander Skarsgård character. He's a weird cat in itself. Something, it might be a falling out. Similar to like House of Cards, you know, House of Cards, uh, uh, the big KS's opponent, uh, you know, from the, from the Suicide Squad. Uh, what's his name? Um, Blonde. From the Suicide Squad. Yeah, who's in House of Cards, the presidential candidate against... Suicide Squad or The Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad. Same movie, but he was in both. <laughs> Rooker? Like, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. Oh, Give no. me the character's name. It's uh, the captain. Something. The captain. Uh, he captain led the Boomerang? Whole group. No, 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 no. The leader. Why Rick can't Flag? I think... Joel Kinnaman? R- Rick Flag. Thank Joel Kinnaman. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are we talking about right you now? You know how Joel couldn't get him yes, in, like in, in House, House of Cards? Cards. Yes. yes. I, I, he, I don't like, kind of, that show. I haven't seen that show in so long, Ricky. He kind of like unraveled on his own. I feel like the same thing's going to happen here with Alexander Skarsgård's character. The deal won't go through, oh, and we get another season. Wow. Oh, okay. So the guy the guy with so much promise, the guy who's slick, good-looking, right? Seems like he can turn no wrong, right? He's going to turn wrong. Yeah. Classic trope. Classic trope. Um. I'm excited to just have the name Matt, like Lucas Madsen on here, just because that means more Skarsgård. But also, I like where it says familial divisions. Where I'm looking, what I'm interested in is Tom and Shiv. Is there going to be a divorce? If there's a divorce, will Tom still be in the good graces of Logan? Can you imagine you have a, a familial civil war that goes on here? Yes. Or potentially you have Roman and uh, Kendall going up and maybe Shiv goes on Tom's side. Maybe she likes the move from Tom. Maybe she's impressed by it and then wants to team up with Logan. There are a bunch of different dynamics that are possible here. All right. We've seen so many times where Roman has wanted to work with Kieran Culkin's character has wanted to work with, uh, Brian Cox's right. Uh, uh, Logan Roy, but that never really pans out. It just, and it seems like he finally put his foot down, stuck by Kendall. So we'll see if like what actually happens in that regard. But the the, the, I mean, the dynamics are important here. And we saw who did uh, Lucas Matson get along with best out Kendall. of the whole out of anybody. Oh, Roman. Okay, Kendall really. Kendall, Kendall. Yeah. I, I I think so. Roman tried, but he didn't really get far. He thought he did, but he didn't. Yeah. No, Logan told him to f off when he wanted to when he tried to stay. Right. And I now you bring up the ship thing. That's a wild like that would be crazy if like she kind of respects it or they get a divorce. But she respects it so much, still goes with them. But then she double crosses that, that, them, and she's like a double spy, or she, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, double agent, like, like, like yeah, like, double yeah. agent. Yeah, where she's like, maybe she is just wants to get back at Tom, but she just tries to like pretend to be in the good graces of yes. Logan and everything. Because it can't right, be I Kendall. Can... Kendall, Kendall can't do that. And then Roman, Logan's like so disappointed in him. It's like he can't do that now either. So it's like really Kendall might go on to this turn. We thought that we were going to see in season three. Like, I think that's a part of the show that I remember you talking about. You were a little frustrated because you have like the absolutely electric ending of season two where uh, Kendall decides to turn on his father. Right, you're thinking that'll lead into like this great like one-on-one throughout season three. And there was a great one-on-one, but it was just Logan dominating Kendall, right? Yeah. So maybe we'll get to that 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 um that character that we wanted to see, right? Following the end of season two. But either way, it's an incredible show. I think it's got a chance to be like one of the, the best HBO shows of all time. I think we got a long ways to go, okay, because HBO I think has the best of the best. But uh, some people already think it is, really. Um, what else do we got here, Ricky Flex? We got official synopsis for George Miller's Furiosa, starring Anya Taylor-Joy and Chris Hemsworth. Okay, let's take a look at this synopsis. So, it reads, uh, As the world fell, young Furiosa is snatched from the green place of many mothers and falls into the hands of great biker horde, led by the world war, the warlord Dementis, uh, the plot description reads, quote, sweeping through the wasteland, they come across a citadel presided over by the Immortan Joe. While the two tyrants war for dominance, Furiosa 
must survive many trials as she puts together the means to find her way home. What? <laughs> what did I just read? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on here. And this was a shocking thing. Like, did not expect to see this or hear this this week. I haven't seen Mad Max in so long. Yeah, well, I, I, don't, I don't even know if this is in Mad Max. <laughs> like, I, like, like, I, don't, I don't even understand, like, half of the language here. It's Warlord Dementus, biker horde led by Warlord Dementus, green place of many mothers. That's like the place that Furiosa always talked about in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. What, the, 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 the green place? Yeah, the green place. So, like, that's, this is like, oh, Furiosa leaving the green place. So, we'll probably see the green place. So that's actually interesting. It talks about two tyrants war for dominance. I know initially alongside Chris Hemsworth, you actually had Yahya Abdul-Mateen II in this movie. Are those the two tyrants that are like they were going to play in this movie? Like Hemsworth Maybe. versus Yahya. But I think Yahya actually dropped out of this movie. Yeah, I thought he did too. I thought he dropped out for uh, – um, he had like conflicts. But yeah, um, not sure what exactly. I was thinking when I, when I saw Chris Hemsworth, I was thinking, oh, maybe he's like – a. Because, like, obviously, Furiosa snatched from the green place. So maybe Hemsworth has to, like, rescue her similar to, like, an extraction situation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that'd be almost too close, I guess. I don't think I would like that personally if it's okay. almost too, too like, you're right. You're right. There. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I just, it's good that we have, we have some news coming out from this because I think this news came out and we started this website and this podcast and it's been forever that since we had a positive update the last thing we heard is yeah yeah is not in this movie okay but yeah i mean anya taylor joy had the biggest year of 20 what 2020 right 20 or 2021 queen's gamut with 2021 i think 2020 that you followed it up obviously edgar wright last night in soho okay um Maybe the most sought-after young actress, and she's playing one of the greatest action characters in recent memory, uh, mm-hmm. uh, recent cin- cinematic history. Uh, obviously, Shirley's Theron making the role so iconic in Mad Max Fury Road. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right. I think that does it, Ricky Flex. All right, The Killer. All right, last thing here. Cinematographer, uh, The Killer cinematographer, uh, Eric Messerschmist, says he's, quote-unquote, hopeful the films will release later this year. If you guys aren't familiar with The Killer, this is the upcoming neo-noir thriller from David Fincher starring Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. That trio is the big three that we didn't know we needed. Like the idea of Fassbender, right? You think of what he's done with Steve McQueen and darker type of projects, teaming up with a Fincher. Holy crap. And then Tilda Swinton is just like one of the most prestigious actresses that I think has ever graced the screen, especially in recent memory. So it's cool. You know, this is one of my, like, if this comes out later this year, that would be awesome. I would, I definitely would have drafted it in our top billing of when we did that earlier in the year. We got to do another one, updated one, like halfway through the year, definitely. But uh, this is definitely one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Um, this guy, uh, Messerschmiss, frequent Fincher collaborator, collaborator worked on Mank, uh, was the like cinematographer of Mank, which I think won at the Oscars for cinematography. Yeah. So this guy literally just won an Oscar. won a lot of technical awards. Yeah. Um, He also is Mindhunter, Gone Girl. Like he's been on a lot of Fincher projects and all those, all those projects I just said, you, you get that vibe, that darker vibe, the neo-noir that we're talking and all thrillers. So I think this, or not Mank, but like the other two are. So, Love that, and Mink, then Mink kind of does have a thriller vibe to it, a, a little like, bit, right? but it's, like it's a noir. Like we got like noir thriller here, so it's I think in a way it's just not as violent as it or intense as like a Gone Girl compared to, right, or a um, Mindhunter, so, like dark gritty type of feel to it. Uh, that's what that's that's the vibe I want to see from this upcoming movie. Um, so that's the last three projects he's done, right? Gone Girl. Adventure, yeah, Mank, Mine Hunter, and yeah, Mine Hunter. That's the last yeah. three. All right, bring back uh, Mine Hunter season three. All right. With that being said, let's wrap up the checkup and move on to our recap for Obi Wan Kenobi. All right, Ricky Flex, Obi Wan season one. 
Maybe series finale. We're not really sure yet. Deborah Chow, director, and Kathleen Kennedy, overseer of all things Star Wars, have made it pretty blurry when it comes to a potential sequel, maybe another, maybe a movie, maybe a season two. There is uh, not a lot of finality to these statements that they're making right now. But right now, we'll just take for the episode for what it was. What was your reaction, Ricky Flex, upon finishing this finale? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I would go two thumbs up. Mm. I think the final battle, although I do have gripes in the final, final, final thing that had, like with it, I think overall, so successful. I think that last duel was amazing. I wish I saw it on the biggest screen possible. I'm not trying to nitpick because it was so good. Like, I loved it. I've, I've watched it three times now. I... I, I honestly cannot complain about the actual duel. It's so good. And I think one of the best things about it is that, at least I'll speak for myself, but I know I'm not alone here, is that every time they use the force, like in these lightsaber duels, it's like they could only use a little bit or they get like forced out. This one, we're seeing Obi-Wan carrying like hundreds of rocks in the air and throwing them. We see Darth Vader doing that. Like, I love the multi while while you're actually fighting, also using like with the lightsaber, also using the force. Unbelievable technicals as well. This was all time lightsaber. Like you might not need to update the blog. Like that's how good this was. I thought. I know again, not on the big screen, so I can't like compare it to the other ones that I've seen on the big screen. But this was something. It was so good. I thought that I thought it was a really good finale. I think it was really that the bat the battle is phenomenal. I agree. Were there other things in this finale that I think could have been tweaked? And I think like uh, they were they pulled back a little bit. They didn't really go for it. Yes, but that's not particularly with uh, Obi Wan's characters. Maybe some things um, I think about with like Darth Vader, or it's something I think about with like Reva. All right, which I didn't really love the end of her character here and her interactions with Luke at the end of this episode. But when it comes to that battle, the music's on point. All right. You still have the iconic lines that are being quoted to one another, but then it has the throwback lines there where it's so good. You have Obi-Wan pointing the lightsaber in at now back to full force and you see, and you have Darth Vader calling him out saying you become strong since the last time. Right. That's some typical Darth Vader, like James Earl Jones would say, uh, then to go with, uh, you got like the, what, what's Obi-Wan saying? I'll do what I must. And then they go at it. Okay, you're right. The force is a nice tweak to these lightsaber battles. All right. It wasn't as much of way like episode three of the corniness of them just going hand to hand doing the force. You know, I wanted that. Though. Hand. No, I like it with I like it with Darth Vader about to get hit with the lightsaber from Obi-Wan. And he when he holds the hand out to stop the lightsaber. That is so cool to me. Mm. That is cool. That's an element where it's like. It's almost I don't I made the comparison last time I, when we did a recap is uh, it almost was like he's dancing the way he's doing it he's so quick yes. with his hands and then he'll just like it's like perfect motions but then like what Obi Wan's doing with the rocks right bearing almost had like a Spider Man Homecoming vibe to it when he's holding them all right and then unleashes them uh I thought cinematography in that battle let's talk about that right with the 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 the, uh, the slicing of Darth Vader's helmet. Okay, then you have the famous line that is now going to be recited in, uh, so many times in Star Wars lore uh, when you talk about uh, I didn't, you didn't kill Anakin, Obi Wan, right? I did. What do you think of that whole sequence, Ricky Flex, in the end like of that the, battle? Yeah, the end. Well, I, when he did the when when Obi Wan did the jump on the rock and then jumped at him and sliced the helmet uh, in half. That was sweet. That was sweet. And then you get the Anakin comment that you just said. The mix of voices I thought was very cool to start. Mm -hmm. When you could clearly hear Hayden Christensen's voice and then James Earl Jones overdid it a little bit and kind of overlapped it a little too much. Now, third time viewing it, still think the same way. So I will say that's a little great, but again, doesn't really matter much. Um, I did love at the end because this is what I, I wanted to see as well is connections between the end of this season to A New Hope, especially if we don't get a second season of this. I wanted to see some connections. And we got one really slight in that little, uh, in that in the conversation there when he's like, Anakin, I'm so sorry. Like, and then Anakin's like, I didn't, you didn't fail me, yada, yada, yada. And then he was like, Anakin's gone. Um, 
I'm not your failure. Like I'll destroy you. Like I did Anakin the same way. And then Obi-Wan finally says like, goodbye, Darth. First mm-hmm. time he doesn't call him Anakin. So mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, in, in a new hope, he's like Darth. He always called him Darth. So yep. that little thing, not Vader or anything like they called him Darth. So I really did like that. And just setting up a new hope a little bit in case we don't get season two. Just small attention to details that I think that's why Star Wars is Star Wars and why people love it so much. And so it honors canon so well, whether it's the Clone Wars, whether it's Rebels, whether it's Episode 4, whether it's The Mandalorian, everything is taken into consideration. Uh, I kind of didn't like the voice too much the more I heard it. I don't don't know. It was okay. Like, I understand. Like, you're also, you're giving Hayden Christensen that moment to show he's the one wearing the suit. Okay, he's the one speaking rather than give all the credit to like one James Earl Jones or people just assuming that Christian's not in the suit. That was his moment, right? Him say those lines. And that's what we wanted to see. Christensen versus McGregor. Like that's what that's what like was the driving force of this show. But when you think about a potential season two, if this is to happen, right? Will Darth Vader be an antagonist in this second season? Will he be featured again? I think that's the tough question here because, again, like I think my big gripe with this um, duel, my only gripe is he did this same. Th- Obi Wan did the same thing, didn't finish him. I that 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 was my issue. Uh, I was thinking about it, and I know like Obi Wan is just too morally just. Uh, the person that we were with, I was watching it with, uh, was saying like, "Why doesn't he finish him? Why doesn't he finish him?" I kind of don't understand that either because obviously Darth Vader is severely hurt. He's got a slash in the back. He's got half a face missing, right? This is a chance for like, this is where I was talking about, like Star Wars, like pulling their punches. This is like R-rated, right? Even PG-13, like Obi-Wan probably finishes in there just because he's caused Mm -hmm. so much pain and he's had so much guilt. It would make sense if Obi-Wan just said, I need to make this right, right? I knew I like this person is not Anakin anymore. He is not my uh, Padawan. I need to end him so I can help the rest of the galaxy because now he's made this new path as a Jedi. If, right? if he's exactly, you literally just said it. If you made that path to be a Jedi, you don't take sides. You just take peace in the galaxy. So what is peace in the galaxy? It's like it's obviously taking out Vader, and it's also he literally just quote. If you go back to morals or too much of a connection to Anakin, his former Padawan, or brother, he literally says his last line um, before goodbye at Darth is, that my friend is truly dead. So that means he has no relation to this person. And so if he's truly about peace in the galaxy again, full powers, back in the Jedi, he he wears his famous garb afterwards. I love that, by the way. Then you got to finish him. So There's that's no hope why, in saving him. There's no hope in saving that him. That was what was my big worry with this season. That was my big worry is how they connect it. And if they do have this battle, because we didn't have one, two battles we were before we we knew that we were gonna have two Darth Vader Obi-Wan battles. So that was the big ones. Like, all right, you they both can't die, so you gotta end them properly. And I just don't think they did it. I, I want to connect this to like Reva a little bit, right? Because I don't think that they wrapped up her storyline correctly either. I didn't love the fact that she went to go hunt Luke. First of all, very unclear that she knows like who Luke is and that whole thing we talked about last episode, right? Relationship to Darth Vader, all right? And knowing that's where she has to go to Tatooine. But my concern was like classic Star Wars. Here's what's happened. The person who thinks they are being done wrong ends up becoming the person that they hate right so like in this case reva is she going to become darth vader and they they take like the easy way out there where it's like no it's going to be a disney type of project obi-wan's going to tell reva like okay yes like i uh, like like you it's not your fault right it's not your fault you killed all these jedi right for darth vader and you did these types of things like you could have had obviously you have to have luke live but like have obi-wan come back and save her or owen and baru somehow kind of like conjure up a way to save her i think i didn't love how reva travels at the end to find luke doesn't kill him it just doesn't seem like a follow-through right i completely agree and i think it goes back to what you were saying before about like the r-rated pg-13 rated like 
Darth Vader and the Grand Inquisitor would have killed her right there, and they would they would have finished her last episode. It's like they only did it because of either what the PG thirteen R thing, Disney, or it's like oh, we can't have a whole episode just to the duel because even Revenge of the Sith. Remember that that battle was also the also like bouncing back and forth between that and the Palpatine Yoda battle. And that's like kind of the Star Wars formula with these duels that are longer than they, like they had the same seconds. thing going on here. It was cool. Right. So it's like they had to keep a storyline going, like a major storyline. So they had to keep Reva. But it just it, it just fell flat. It, it fell flat. If I'm being honest, it did. I, honest, honestly, what I did like with that scene is not Reva, but rather I love Joel Edgerton as uh, Uncle Owen and then Aunt Beru, both badasses. Like, and like you, you always wondered, like, maybe like he they hit, he had a stronger role in Luke's life okay right obviously he was kind of like holding him back in episode 4 when he wanted to join right the republic he wants to become a pilot and then uncle owen saying no i need you on the farm but now like you knew when Joel Edgerton was coming back for this show right that he was going to get some screen time and i think like the finale i wasn't shocked by it but i was definitely welcoming like i, I was like yes like and it the writing of that actually made sense by the fact that they didn't really put up much of a fight but they stalled it enough okay but they really they kind of failed right right they did fail they they did fail but that's like we got a inquisitor against two farmers like they, right. you, but i think like they i actually think that courageous was good. heroic type yeah. of like, star wars like protecting characters. luke like he's in their own right own child right i i actually thought that was good like yeah. i didn't have any gripes with that at all i like amperu too i thought that was, i thought she was she was like a badass like, I, I i thought that was awesome she, I, yeah i don't know the actress but i thought she was good I, I i do actually think she was good um i did want to say something else about that ah let's skip me uh okay like, well i'll, I'll say one. it's one last thing just because we're talking about it just the completeness of Owen, Joel Edgerton's character at the end, saying, "Oh, you can meet like you, you want to meet him," and uh, oh, that's what I was gonna talk about. Like, yeah, like I, the, the connection with Obi Wan, like that wrap up was great, right? Like from the first episode, right? That uh, antagonistic relationship, the one where like obviously Uncle Owen holds a grudge against Obi Wan, but to see him mend that relationship, and uh, like Luke now knows Ben Kenobi, and that once you talking also like minor details that set up like future like moments in Star Wars lore, Episode Four, he says Ben Kenobi, he's never heard of Obi Wan, it was because he's met him before, you know, those small things. Yeah, and I, I guess my only thing I would say I have an issue with without the whole thing is that like Obi Wan says like he just needs to be a boy. It's just like what changes? Maybe that's what season two is or season three, whatever. You know, like what changes from, oh, he doesn't have to be a Jedi one day to, you know what, he could just be a farmer. That's what I'm interested to see if they do a second or third season, second and or third season. Uh, th th you can't be that interested in that, right? Him being a farmer? Well, I'm just saying, I'm trying to think of, oh, no, 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 no. Not being a farmer. What changes in Obi-Wan on his path that says, oh, we need Luke Skywalker to be a Jedi. And then it leads into A New Hope maybe yeah I, I personally i'm on the i'm on the team of like just leave it like i think this hey, i'm i'm usually on that team so i'm with you I, here i'm definitely on that team right now like i don't think we can stretch darth vader into another uh, se uh season uh when we are convinced that this might this is probably it makes sense that this is the last moment before like obi-wan sees him in episode four where it Darth Vader strikes him down and becomes more powerful than he ever imagined, right? So having that moment right at the end is a perfect way to end this like McGregor and Christensen type of relationship, okay, and head into episode four. Like, I don't think it works. Like, I like the Grand Inquisitor is not powerful enough of a villain where he can replace a Darth Vader, like uh as a main antagonist. Uh going on. The only one that could make sense is Darth Maul, right? Yes, Honestly. So like I I, I I would be okay with that because that's a that's an all powerful Sith Lord, right? He's got the uh, unique look. He, it makes sense when you look at Solo, all right, and also Clone Wars and Rebels, and right him making appearances, all right. Uh, and honestly, you could tie it with Ahsoka depending on when Ahsoka is taking place on this timeline. So I think it could be a little forced, all right. But I'm I'm not really on board with this whole season two. Yeah, I, I agree with the Vader comments. I wouldn't want to see Vader again well of course i'd want to see him again i th I don't think it would work 
but you never know. Like they know what they're doing. Kathleen Kennedy, they all know what they're doing, but no, I, <clears throat> I agree. I guess like, I'm just saying if there was a season two, season three to, to lead into a new hope, I think that would kind of be the play. And I agree with the strength of villain. I was thinking Darth Maul. I don't know how they would make it work. There's, o- there's always only two Sith Lords. So I don't know how they would make it work with him coming back. But, um, it's like something that we've always wanted to see since episode one. Like he's obviously the best part. Duel of the Fates, episode one, Phantom Menace. Just the uh, look best... of the character is crazy too. Yeah. Like so just... we imagine we get an upgrade. We got a little tease in a uh, uh, solo with Darth Maul at the end. So if they could somehow commit, like somehow get him on the big screen in live action again, that would be unbelievable. And him going against Obi Wan again, you have that revenge storyline that you could use. It would be so good. Like it, it would be awesome, and we could have a stronger relationship with the Force Ghost. Think of talking about Episode One of Qui Gon, played by Liam Neeson, who makes us an appearance right at the end of this uh, season. Okay, like he could be actually mentoring or just having conversations on a regular basis with, right, uh, you McGregor with Obi Wan, and that might be so, like you can make that type of storyline. Like Liam Neeson is the one who looked at or Qui Gon. Who looks at Anakin as the chosen one? He convinces everyone that Anakin is the chosen one. Is he the one that's going to talk sense into Obi Wan that Luke Skywalker is this next chosen one? He is the next Messiah. Things like that. Yeah, I'm just trying to like, I guess, uh, brainstorm some ideas that kind of fit into your mold there that you were talking about earlier. Well, technically, Anakin is the chosen. Like he, he actually was the chosen one the entire time. Because he takes well, out the, the pro- well, the the, the, pro- the prophecy is dead. Like the prophecy did not work out. <laughs> but technically, it did work out at the end because he does bring balance to the force by killing Palpatine after he after he after he helped destroy planets. Exactly. <laughs> like, so like, he, it's just like he had to break it down to bring peace. So technically, the prophecy was fulfilled, but just not in the way everyone envisioned. But no, yeah, I see what you're saying. I guess with the Qui Gon, just because I haven't made any comments on that yet. Love seeing Liam Neeson. Love seeing him. I thought it was nice, short, and sweet. Right at the end. Give us some nice lightheartedness, especially because the Vader duel ended like 20 minutes with with 20 minutes left in the episode. So there's a good amount of time left in the episode because they had to finish out the Reva storyline and also the Uncle Ben. So they, there's still some time. But then it's like, oh, let's bring it back to something that we're actually really interested in. Yes, this force goes Qui-Gon. And we've got a, a, a what he says. We've got a lot of ways to go or something, he says. Right. So, so that leads into like, oh, season two. He says, follow me. Yeah. Yeah. And also, he goes to Luke at the end. He dro- he drops the famous line. Yeah, yeah. He I drops the hello there. You know, the, the, that's what we're talking about. Um, last thing, uh, we brought up Darth Maul. I just had another thought that popped into my brain. Like Darth Maul, you have to really explain how he's still alive, because I don't think a casual Star Wars fan will recognize that he is in the post credit scene for Solo. I tried to tell my buddies yesterday, while well, it was or Friday, when we were watching the episode that like Darth Maul is still alive. Like he's in like the post credit for Han Solo and like their solo Star Wars story. They just didn't believe me. So I had to pull up the YouTube clip. It just doesn't make sense. A lot of people also don't watch the animated series that uh, take place after episode one. So it's just, you got to make, you got to, you got to make that somehow clear, show that background. All right. Give uh, the audience some awareness. All right. Any final comments before we wrap up? I, I, I think this saved it. As a whole, I think season, I think episode one, uh, five was very good, and what happened with Vader there. So I don't like saved it is not the right word. I think it just confirmed it. Like yes, this if it did get solid. a solid, yeah, it was a solid season, not a letdown at all. Because what they did with the two lightsaber scenes, the two battles, they did great at Vader, very good throughout, and Obi Wan getting his powers back by the end. Just everything kind of worked out. I would say for the most part. Yes, there were some hiccups along the way, but overall, if you told me this was the way I was going to go out, like my expectations were high because of what they did well in this season, which is the battles, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan. So I would take this. I would I would take a second season if they did do it. But I agree with you. I would leave it alone, but they never do. I, I think the most important part of leaving it alone is because they nailed Darth Vader in this season for the most part. They nearly nailed him except for the very end. But it's like you kind of fall into that trap of there's obviously in between movies here. Like it's between episodes three and four. It's like you can't kill anybody. You can't like go straight for the heart because they go on to live. It just has to end a certain way. But I do 
just want to say, like, I was impressed with the Obi Wan. I mean, uh, the, I, I like the dynamic of Obi Wan as the old man Logan, or I am against like his former Padawan with Vader, him growing strong enough to take him on again. Love that. But uh, I, I, I do want to say where it ranks, like, in our Star Wars, like, TV show seasons, where do you have uh, season one or the only season of Obi Wan? Like, I still have Mandalorian season two ahead of it. Um, me too. I, I think, think this just, is two, though. Yeah, so just just uh, season two, and then this, then season one, Mandalorian, and then just Boba, then Boba Fett. Fett. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, that's how I would rank it, like overlap in there. I, 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 Darth Vader itself didn't carry it to overpower Mandalorian season two, in my opinion. Not enough. Um, but I did love six it. episodes. Like you only felt like the Vader, like power, full power in episodes three, five, six, and only two of those mm-hmm. are against Obi Wan. So it's like he, he did. They didn't overuse him, but whenever he showed up, right, he was it was stellar. Like like your jaw dropped and you you got like a rush. And I thought that yeah, that's definitely what you need to do definitely. And so like if let's say they leave it alone, or that at least like they go to season two, but Vader's not in it. Is this the last time we see Darth Vader? I don't know. People are going to be wanting a show. They're going right. to a miniseries. So, I don't know how it's going to work. That's, I think, I think I, like I said before, I think we talked about that last episode. Like, what's more likely? Season two of Obi-Wan, right? Or a Darth Vader miniseries. I think Darth Vader could make sense. Could be cool. Yeah. It's just, if we did a draft of the most iconic villains, he's a first rounder by far. Like in cinema, he's a first rounder by far. And just for him not to be used again would be a shame, I think. So I think they will do something, maybe not relatively soon, but at some point, yeah. Well, we'll keep the audience in the know, right, with what's going on with Obi-Wan Kenobi and if we're going to get that season two or start their spinoff or some other spinoff that uh, Disney will try and milk all, every every ounce out of. So um, that's going to do it for the Obi-Wan recap, and that's going to do it for our episode, okay? For the rest of this week, let's make sure we have this right, Ricky Flex. We have uh, no Obi-Wan because we just did the finale, right? Um, we get to review a movie this week. What is that movie going to be, Elvis? Austin Butler, our boy. Austin Butler, our guy, Floyd Roth at Dune 2. But first, let's see him in his breakout role at Elvis, okay? A lot of, lot of like, a little bit of polarization with that movie and the, the way it's handled, the music, all right? How it's going to sound and uh, the artists that are involved, okay? But Austin Butler, up-and-coming actor, hot in the streets right now. Tom Hanks also seems to be a bit polarizing right now. I think the movie's uh, running at 79% Rotten Tomatoes, but it's got like a 94% audience score. Right, so some similarities you could say to potentially a Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, but yeah, so we're, we're we're gonna review that one, and then we are doing a recap of the boys. Okay, we're gonna do the Hero Gasm episode, and then we will do the was it episode five that comes out this week Friday for the boys? I think it's six. No, six. I don't even know anymore. Because okay, so we we'll just start. So we're gonna do Elvis. This week, we're going to do the Hero Gasm recap from last episode of The Boys. Okay. And that's what we'll guarantee for now. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. So make sure you're following us on your socials. All right. Twitter, Instagram. Also, make sure you hit that follow button wherever you're listening right now. Subscribe and rate us five stars. Okay. If you do so, we will shout you out on the podcast. Okay? Until next time, this is Dr. L. Ricky Flick signing off. We will. Thank you.